0: Well, just before I speak this morning, I, I want to take a moment and pray. Just pray for the people of our church and of our community. Uh, in the midst of uh, COVID and a, and, a, and a challenging time, that seems to be really prominent in people's minds now as we're in this stay-at-home order lockdown. And, uh, and it just seems to be persisting and discouraging to uh, a lot of folks. So let's pray together. and Let's ask God to, to be at work in the midst of this and uh, assure us that uh, he is with us and, uh, and guiding us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come to you uh, at a time that's a, a struggle for many people. Lord, we've been in this uh, pandemic for a long, long time now, and it seems that we've waited and we've hoped and we've anticipated uh, for such a long time. And, and uh, Lord, another extension to the, to the lockdown has been announced and, and we're in it for weeks more yet. And God, a lot of people are discouraged, a lot of people are struggling, and we want to take a a moment to pray as a church community that you will be with people who are really hurting, Lord, uh, Lord, I think especially of people who are living alone, and we want to pray for them today, we pray that you would be with them by your spirit, that you would encourage them, Father, um, that you would give them connections, whether it be uh, by telephone or uh, some means where they can connect with one other family. Lord, just bless those lives, and and we pray that you would give them hope and that you would give them encouragement and that you'd give them peace. Lord, I think of of mums with young kids in the house who just seem to be uh, being a mum nonstop, and uh, th- lots of mums are struggling, and we want to pray for them, Lord. We pray that you would encourage their hearts also, and Lord, we pray that they might have opportunity just for themselves, uh, time to care for themselves and and to know your blessing. Lord, for dads as well. Lord, so many people right now, they just need you. We need you to come in the unique way that you can, by your Spirit, to bless our hearts, uh, to encourage us, to give us hope, and Lord, to give us perseverance. Lord, we pray that soon we might be able to be back together again with loved ones as a church family. We pray that the vaccines will come in large measure, Lord, and that uh, quickly this... uh, this immunity will be developed across the country and, and certainly in our own community. And we pray, Lord, that soon again we can, we can be together to worship you, to love one another and care for one another, to be together with family and, and with friends. God, we look to you. We look to you to help those among us who are struggling the most. We pray that you'll bless them. We pray that we, you will show them your love and your goodness. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we began a series uh, over a month ago now entitled Church, Why Bother? And it was a series which we're concluding today, which really asked the question, why do you bother? Why give yourself to this thing called the church? Why significantly involve yourself in the life of a congregation in spite of the weaknesses and the failings that are so prominent and real? Why persist in this thing called the church? And I hope over the course of these weeks that I've given you good, solid biblical reasons for doing so. You know, God created the church. Isn't that enough? Isn't that everything that God created for us to be part of and to engage? It's his desire for us. It's his will. Jesus loves the church like he really does. Uh, This congregation, IPC, others that may be represented in those who view us today, he loves our congregations. He deeply cares about them. Uh, You know, the idea that it's this church context in which we are formed into the likeness of Jesus That's why he wants us to be a part of it. It is so, so important for believers, so the Lord suggests. This is a place of deep connection. It's the koinonia. It's a place where we share our lives with God's people together in in, in a meaningful, significant way. That's where we are given that leadership, that spiritual leadership that we need in order to thrive as a congregation. All of these things just don't exist unless we're really engaged in a church and participate in it significantly and i really do hope that your perspective about the church has been changed that maybe there's been a bit of a shift from what you thought before to more of the thoughts of scripture more of the thoughts of god as far as the church goes and that you love it more and you value it more highly you know you're committed to it more than you were before i I would really encourage you this is this is what god has for us well i want to finish this series today with one more reason to embrace the church Uh, and that is because god intends the church to be a force in the world for him and for his good that's it god just wants the church he intends the church to be a powerful force in the world for him to have impact in the world for god that's our calling that's what god would want from those of us who identify with the church i'm going to read to you romans 1 16 well-known verse says this for i am not ashamed of the gospel Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. See, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. You see, that's the message that we hold. And no one else does. I hope you realize this. That's the message that we speak. Sunday mornings, I do it. Others do it through the week, of course. It's the message, if you would, that we embody and that we live out in this world that Jesus came and that he died and that he rose again, that he ascended to heaven, that he gave the Holy Spirit to transform our lives, to form the church. You see, this is the power of God for salvation. And it's the message which we are to communicate to this world. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why? Well, he gave his only son because the world desperately needed the power of God unleashed upon it. He gave his son to die on a cross <laughs> because this world was just mired in sin and, 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 and alienated from God. This world just desperately needed to be freed from uh, the judgment of God. John 3 itself, Jesus saying that I didn't come to condemn the world but to save it because the world's already condemned, Jesus said. You see, there's such desperate need in the world. God acted and he gave Christ that there might be a powerful movement on the face of this earth for s- the sake of salvation. Jesus came to save. You know, a prominent church leader has often said that the church is the hope of the world, and I don't know what you think the hope of the world is. You know, as you look out of the world and you see its brokenness, you see war and violence and, and, and inequalities, you see so much in the world that needs fixed, saved, to use the biblical word. Um, some people think, you know, if we just educate everybody, then we'd be, that, that would solve the problem. Other people think, you know, if we can move politically and get, get things done that need done, we'd be okay. Other people, you know, it's an ideology, social justice and peace. You know, if, if we could just create the sense of equity throughout the world, then it, all the problems would go away because everybody's needs would be met. My friends, are these the things that are the hope of the world? Well, I want to tell you what God thinks because the Bible says that we know what God thinks. That the church is the hope of the world because the church contains this message. The the church speaks this message. The church lives this message. That Christ has come. And and in him there is life. And there is salvation. It is the power of God for salvation. And I've said it, it is we who hold that message. No one else does. So the church, my friends, we are here for the sake of God to accomplish and to impact and to be powerful God being powerful through us for the salvation of the world. Think again of Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost. I've referred to this several times in this series. God gave his spirit at Pentecost. Uh, You know, spirit came like tongues of fire and settled on people. And, you know, the wind blew powerfully and, and so forth. It was an incredible moment. But the spirit was given to empower believers to speak miraculously. If you know the story, they spoke in languages they didn't know. It was an empowerment of God. Who did they speak to? They spoke to all these Jewish people who had come from all over the known world to celebrate Pentecost in Jerusalem. And these people heard of Christ in their own language. And they believed it and then so many went back across the world with the message of the gospel. They went with the power of God for salvation so that the word would spread, so that salvation would be experienced, so that the world might be impacted for the sake of Christ. It's an incredible message. I'm going to tell you, my friends, when the church becomes what God wants it to become, what it's called to in Scripture, when the the church is that place where people's lives are transformed through the means of grace, where people experience koinonia and have deep connection in life together, when they're led by, by spiritually led leadership, my goodness, the church can be powerful for God. Powerful. Now, it's not always that way. Indeed, today in Canada, in so many instances the church is weak and it is dying. But it's not God's will, it's not God's desire. I want to take a moment and I I want to speak about what does it mean when we say that the church is to be powerful for God. Well, not powerful in the triumphalistic sense. Not, Not powerful, if you would, in a worldly sense. Not big and impressive and, and, and you know, a, 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 a power that dominates politically and forces our agenda and our beliefs and our behavior on other people. No, no, no. Haven't we learned that that's not what God wants? It's a power that is exercised, ironically enough, considering what I just said about the church in Canada, but it is a power that is exercised in weakness. You know, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, My power is made perfect in weakness, quoting the Lord. Did you hear it? My power is made perfect in weakness. See, my friends, we've got to take hold of this idea. We've got to understand how the church is supposed to function, how we're supposed to express and exercise the power of God so impact is made in the world. This is how Jesus made impact, isn't it? He came and he didn't come to defeat a political power, the Roman power. He didn't come to overthrow the legions of Rome. He didn't come to, you know, to replace the Caesar of the day. No, he, he came in weakness and he came humbly, as, the, as he himself said, to seek and to save the lost. He came in humility, not to be served, but to serve and to give his, a, his life as a ransom for many. You hear the humility in that? And in the end, of course, this is what Jesus did. He died in a cross in weakness. Right? Submitting to the power of Rome and the authorities of of Israel in the day. But I want to tell you, in that weakness, in that death, he unleashed the power of God in this world. That's what we're called to. You see, Rome would last for another five or six centuries, but then it fractured and it was defeated and it disappeared. That Roman Empire it was so, so powerful in Jesus' day was gone. And I want to tell you, centuries and millennia later, the power, the impact, the influence of Jesus carries on when Rome is gone, but it carries on through his church. Through his church, through his people. You see, it is we. Can I say it this way as we follow Jesus through humble acts of service? As we follow Jesus, that the power of God is manifest in our world still. This is the way of God. You see, the Bible says we are the ecclesia, that Greek word which is translated church. We are the ones called out of the world to God, for God, to be part of that covenant community that is in relationship with God, to be part of that community which will worship God, that community which, uh, which in which people are transformed by God's spirit and by God's word, made new in him, changed, that, that, that community of people which exists to serve God. And also another image, we're the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, to work together, note it, not alone, but in sync with one another, in concert with one another, each doing our own part as we're gifted by the Spirit of God in order to accomplish something significant for God. Why? That we might make impact in this world for God. A huge question, and I know I've asked this question to this church before. And I don't mind asking it again, because it just needs to, this needs to be reinforced over and over. What do you think the church exists for? Some folks might say, well, it, you know, I, I, I come to church because I, en- I enjoy it. It, ex- it exists for my enjoyment. You know, I like coming in a Sunday morning when we can, and, you know, I like the band and the songs. I like the music. I like the preaching, and I like coffee afterwards, and you get to be with the people that I know and love. I enjoy it. Is that why the church exists? Well... I suppose in a sense, but that's not really it. Others might say, well, I, I come because it makes my life better. It blesses my life. It helps me. Is that why the church is, is in existence? Is that why God created it? Well, Jesus does say that through him and, and through life among his people, we'll know abundant living. You know, I suppose to some degree, yeah, it is for us. It is to make our life better, and it will. But I don't think that's really it either. And I want to tell you, my friends, we exist to change the world. Each in our own corner, each in our own way, depending on where we're at. I want to read to you our mission statement. You know, and and, and this captures why we think at this time and in this place we exist. We exist to introduce people to Jesus, to deepen our faith, participate in God's life-transforming story, and to serve others at home and around the world. (laughs) Do, do, Do you hear this? We exist to introduce people to Jesus. They might come to know him. We exist to to grow in our faith, to deepen our faith together, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, and then to participate in that story of God starts in Genesis, ends in Revelation through how serving at home and abroad, just serving in this world. I want want to ask you uh, if, if, if you are participating in this little sequence that I'm going to describe to you. Just personalize this and see, based on what I've just described to you in, in this mission statement, whether you are engaged, whether you're participating. Number one, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? I'm not talking particularly about whether you come to church. It's really important. <laughs> but do you have a personal relationship with him? Have, have you received him as Lord, the Bible says? Have you come to that place of, of faith in Jesus so that you are his um, you know, and, and so that he is central to your life, that all the elements of life are secondary to the person of Jesus who is Lord of your life. Number two, are you engaging in the church in the ways that we've talked about? You know, are, are, are you at that place in your life where you're so engaged in the activities of the church that you are growing spiritually, that, y- that you are being transformed so as to become like Jesus? And I mean that think about it between now and say several years ago, where you're more like him in terms of how you think or your thoughts more aligned with his thoughts, in terms of your heart's desire, the things that you long for, in terms of the things that you value. So much that the world says is valuable, the people of Jesus, when they're like him, say, well, no, no, that's not that important to me anymore. That's not, no, I don't value that anymore. No, I value Christ. And I value the things that he values, people and, and and loving people and seeing them saved and seeing goodness come and cover this earth that the will of God as the will of God is done. Are you becoming more like him? Are you living as he lived? You know, I'm, I'm talking about taking the teaching of Scripture and having it transform how we live. I'm talking about morality, embracing God's morality, his mind. You know, the Ten Commandments and so much else, are we becoming more holy as we deal with sin and turn away from it in repentance and embrace the way of God? Mm. Are we becoming more like Christ? Number three, um, do we understand ourselves to be people who exist to serve God first and foremost and to serve others? Um, Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, greatest commandment. He said, Love God, number one, all your heart. Just all, with all you have, love God. And he said the second is like that, is love your neighbor. And he, of course he goes on to talk about the good Samaritan, that Samaritan man who sees the Jewish man lying, bleeding, dying in the side of the road. Goes to him, he, he engages that person, he meets his needs, he sacrifices financially, he cares about that person, he, he enters in to serving the needs of another. Love God and love your neighbor. Jesus said that's the most important stuff going you want to know, I'm going to tell you. And I, I want to ask you, my friends, if you come to that place where you, where, you, where you recognize this is why you exist, as a follower of Jesus, this is who we are. You know, a good question that I want to ask you, I think it's a good question. You can evaluate that for yourselves, of course. But do you think it's possible to be a follower of Jesus and to not live your life through humbly serving both God and others? You know, is it possible to hold all the doctrines in in place? You know, I believe Jesus was the Son of God, that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sin, that he rose again from the dead to overcome the power of sin and evil and death, that he ascended to heaven where he sits at the right hand of God. I could go on and on and on. You hold those things in your mind, I believe, and, and so forth. But I ask again, is it possible to be a follower of Jesus and to not be someone who lives their life as a servant? Here's what I've come to. I would say no. That might be shocking in the minds of some. But I want to tell you this. If we really believe the right stuff, if we really have come to that place where, where we recognize who Jesus is and what he said and how he lived, you see, we will come to a place where we really trust what he said and we will so believe the things that he spoke and the example that he gave us both in the Gospels and throughout the whole Bible because it's inspired by his Spirit. And we also trust in those things that those truths will transform how we live. It will change us. And it'll get us to that place where we are servants. You see, we have to trust in Jesus. Not just have an intellectual belief in him. We have got to take what he said and trust it so much that it transforms our lives so that we end up serving God, loving God, serving people out of love for them. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Now, don't let, let anybody say I'm downplaying the need for faith and faith being the means to salvation, but I'm describing to you what that faith is. It's a belief received that transforms a life. Let me, let me put this to you in another way. And again, I'm... Let me broaden it to the idea of the church at large. What makes for a great church? What is it, you know, that you would say are the markers in your mind when you look at a church and say, ah, oh, that church is a great church, that church is successful, that church is to be admired, that church is, 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 is hitting the nail on the head, firing in all cylinders, being what God called it to be? Well, a lot of people would suggest that a church is a great church using one of the markers of, of the fact that it's big, That it's large. A lot of people go there every Sunday, therefore it's a great church. It's successful. You think that's a marker of a, a great church? You know, I don't think so. I used to think that to some degree. I didn't think that was it entirely, but I used to think that to some degree. Now I don't think it at all. I don't use that as a marker for the success of a church Because the reality is that there are a lot of big churches, and research and surveys and so on have proved this to be the case. A lot of big churches in our world where a lot of people go, but they are not being transformed into the image of Christ. They are not being so moved by the truth of God, the example of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, that they've shifted from being consumers to servants. You know, they go to church on a Sunday morning and they've got the big show, but they're consumers who are consuming a religious product and leaving the church, and they're not like Jesus so often. They're not digging into Scripture. They're not learning the depth, deeper things of the Word of God. They're not following Jesus the way Jesus wants to be followed. No, there are, I want to tell you this. There are many small churches uh, with people in it filled by the Spirit of God who are touching through love and service their communities, and they're being faithful to God. There's a marker, faithfulness. I think about churches in Africa, and China, India. Man, they're they're being the church that they're called to be. Another marker, a lot of people say, well, money in the bank. You know, we're doing well financially. You know, that's a a sign that we're successful, that we're healthy, that we're alive. My friends, I know a lot of churches with a lot of money in the bank, and they're dying terribly. You know, they're, 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 they're not being the church of Christ. They've got money, but they're not being faithful in the call of God to what the Lord calls them to be. Now, I want to tell you, my friends, there are, there are markers. Let me suggest some to you. How about these? And I think you'll find uh, some familiarity in what I'm about to say. What about this one, number one? You know, is a church leading people into a relationship with Jesus. Are people being converted? Are they being saved? Are they coming to believe because of the witness of this church, the impact of this church in the world, out there where the non-believers are? You know, are people being introduced to Jesus? And then, are people deepening in faith? Are they becoming discipled? Are they growing spiritually? Are they deepening in a knowledge of God? Are they understanding the deeper things of the Spirit of God? Are they being so transformed in their lives that they are living like Christ, his thoughts, his desires, his values, his morality, his life? That church, I'm telling you, my friends, is, is a church that's alive in him. That's a marker. And number three, are people of that church, are they humbly serving so that the kingdom of God comes in its power? You know? Are they, are they both internally in the, in the ministries of the church itself and externally in the, in the world, are they blessing out of love? Are they serving the needs of people they encounter just like the good Samaritan saw that man bleeding by the side of the road and refused to leave it alone? That's a great marker for a church. How many times has a church touch the need of its community in a week? You know, I've asked myself in preparing for today, how do we at IPC bless the heart of God? You know what I mean by that? Uh, How how do we as a church act in a particular way so that God looks upon us and, ah, he just loves what he sees. His heart is blessed. Well, I I think of our support of the people of Nicaragua for 20 plus years. The funding that we send that way, the teams that have gone, um, the schools that we've built so that kids have gone to... school that they wouldn't have gone to otherwise and yes they're getting educated and they're clawing their way out of poverty we trust but they're also hearing about jesus and coming to believe in him i think god sees that and he smiles you know i think of that feeding center in Corinto. once a week we're feeding hungry children and they're seeing the witness to christ and the people that are loving them and caring for them and i trust hearing about jesus coming to believe in him i think that blesses the heart of god I think about our downtown ministry. I was in a staff meeting several weeks ago, online, of course, but, and uh, Steve Owen, who works down there now for us and gives leadership, talked about how one night we fed 52 people and the next night we have two meals a week. We, we served 70 meals. I thought, that's a phenomenal thing. I've got to tell people about that. I didn't realize it was that many people. 122 people being fed, people who need food people who need love, and that, that is being offered even though they're not meeting in community, if you would. It's kind of, you know, pick, drop in pick up and go home and eat, but there's still the connection that we're working at. And also, I heard in that staff meeting that a person from our downtown ministry had led another to Christ. A, a person to whom we minister had become someone who had recognized Christ as Lord. Isn't that amazing? See, I think God sees us feeding the poor and God sees us leading others into a relationship with, his, with himself through his son. And I think his heart is touched. And he is pleased. I think about our worship, you know? And, and I got to tell you, I don't, I don't know how to answer that question because I can't really answer the question. I know we work hard at it, Jeff, with the music and the team when it's possible, me and preaching and preparation and so forth. Normally we come together and and, and so on, but you know, the only way to know whether our worship blesses the heart of God would be to know what's going on in the hearts of God's people. Are they coming to that place? Let's assume we're back together when COVID is done, but they're coming into the presence of God and they're, they're raising him up in their minds and in their hearts. They're worshiping God. They're honoring him above all else in life. They're saying, you and you alone, you are my God. And these other things, they're not my God. I don't live for them. I live for you. And they're recognizing the incredible things that he's done for us in Christ. And they're hearing the, the song sung and they're expressing love to God. And they're hearing God's word preached and, and they're allowing their minds to be transformed, made new, Romans twelve two, The renewing of the mind happens as, as they allow their thinking to be moved away from what the world thinks to what God thinks. Embracing his thoughts, values, and so forth. I want to tell you, if that's going on in, our, in the hearts of our people, I think that blesses the heart of God. You now our life groups, as people m- get together, and I know that's much more limited than it was before, uh, I hope by September when we get together, we'll be able to really ramp that up again, give it new energy in life, uh, so that we can really experience the koinonia, at least in that one way that's, that's so significant. So my friends, if, and I believe this is happening, but if indeed those small groups Uh, Come around scripture and the spirit of God is present and he speaks the power and the truth of scripture into those lives so that those people are Transformed they're able to put off the old and put on the new They're able to hear the will of God for their life so that they embrace it They're being transformed into servants themselves so that even as small groups they say what can we do for this community? How can we meet a need how can we love people as we love God? Man if that's happening, you know uh, God sits back in his heart is blessed I guess I think, too, of our youth and children's ministries and, you know, the, the, the way we are leading children uh, who are part of the covenant community, but we're leading them into their own personal understanding and relationship with God and a love for Christ. You see, this is life-transforming stuff. This is incredibly significant ministry that we do. And I think every time we do that and we help a tr- child grow in faith and we help them into a relationship with Christ, the heart of God, is blessed. Deeply blessed. You know, are we serving in our neighborhoods? Welcoming people into our homes, into our lives? Showing them that hospitality, which can be powerful for the kingdom? In our places of work, are we, again, looking for need and addressing it no matter where it might be? No matter what kind of need it is, it's not always just feeding people, it's it's emotional need and it's relational need. Lonely people in this world need friends. You know? And so, you know, all kinds of need is present. Our, do we have that mentality, that mindset, those eyes that Jesus called, calls us to have, the eyes of a servant, the heart of a servant, the willingness of a servant, <coughs> excuse me, to sacrifice so that others come to know him and his love. See, in these places, in this these ways, there are Dozens of people in our church who are serving in Nicaragua and downtown ministry and in youth ministry and children's ministry and in worship preparation and leadership and so on. As we serve, my friends, are you hearing this? Uh, as we use our gifts, as the Spirit of God moves, the power of God is unleashed in our world. You see what creates impact, spiritual impact for God. Are are you hearing what creates (coughs) the scenario, (coughs) excuse me, where where the power of God is exercised through his church? Um, I'm, I'm here to tell you this is what God wants for your life. This is God's desire for you. If you ever wonder about the will of God for your life, I've just told you come to faith in Jesus, deepen, be transformed by, the, by the, mean, the means of grace we've described in this series, so as to become a servant in your life, to bless others, to love God and love your neighbor, to serve God and to serve your neighbor, so that the power of God is unleashed in this world. I'm going to read to you 1 Peter chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 10 and 11. Let me read that to you. It says this, My friends, I want to tell you, those are powerful words. Uh, Those need to be penetrating our minds and our hearts. Um, Whatever gift you have received, use those gifts to serve others Um, so that others might know God's grace, might experience the Lord, might know the work of His Spirit through you, might be transformed by the power of God. Here's my contention. Most Christian people have absolutely no idea how much potential they have to impact lives for Christ. Most Christian people have no idea how much potential they have to impact this world for Christ and to build the kingdom of God. We just don't recognize what could happen if we would just yield our lives to Jesus, live as servants of His by serving other people, to bless them, to love them, ultimately to lead them to faith in Jesus. You know, I began by this series by saying COVID will end soon. It will. Uh, we trust that that day will come. And I said that I believe a lot of folks are going to come back to IPC on a Sunday morning when it's safe to do so. They'll be glad to. They'll come with a vengeance because we long to be together in God's presence. We long to fellowship koinonia with one another um, I want to tell you when we come back and when we're together again and when we're functioning normally listen, God has a purpose for this church uh, God has his power that he wishes to exercise through this church you and me all of us it's through God's people this power gets exercised God has an impact that he wishes to make through this church in this time and in this place It's his desire. And I want to tell you that will happen through humble, weak people who are simply willing to love God and to love their neighbors. It's it's that simple. And if we will see ourselves not as people who exist to be served, but as people who exist to serve, God will use us. He really will. I want to say... Let's not wait, by the way, until we get together again. Let's do it now. God can use us now in loving people in various ways. If we'll just open our eyes to see the need and act in the ways that are possible, that the world is blessed in the name of Jesus. But I want to tell you, my friends, as we talk about this idea of being humble, weak servants, doing those things that may not seem to be incredibly significant but are powerful for God as we see ourselves called to do significant things for the kingdom, let's not give our lives to lesser things. Can I ask you to process that? Don't give your life, your lives to so many things that people in this world give themselves to because they are lesser things. We are to give our lives to the things of God's kingdom. We are to give our lives to the things that will have impact for eternity. So give your life to being a servant of Jesus. Give your life to loving God and loving people. Give your life to serving the needs of others, spiritually, uh, ne- spiritual needs, relational needs, uh, any kind of need that you encounter. Become a servant of Jesus because if you will, through you the power of God will flow. Through you impact will be made. Through us, God's will will be done on earth. Let's pray. Lord, this church is uh, here for you. And on behalf of these people, our God, I want to pray now and, and we want to commit ourselves to you. We want to let go of those other things that people live for, status and, 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 and material things and, and wealth and um, the, the, the pursuits of this world, Lord. Let them, as the old song goes, let them grow faintly dim. Let them fade into insignificance as we recognize that you have formed us as a church, that you've empowered us as a church, that you're here to work through us by your spirit, as we simply love God and and love you, as we simply serve the Lord through serving other people. So God, I pray for every person listening today, whether they're from our congregation or beyond, I pray, Lord, that they'll understand themselves first uh, first and foremost as servants of Christ not people who exist to be served, Lord. Help us to repudiate that. Help us not to live to serve ourselves and our own interests. Help us to live to serve your interest, God, in the interests of those with whom you bring us into contact, with whom we have relationship, with whom we have connection. Open our eyes to see the need. Give us the heart, the desire, to intervene, to bless, and to love. In the name of Jesus, Give us the words to speak when that opportunity comes because, Lord, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Help us to exercise that power. Lord God, help IPC to become in greater and greater measure a powerful church. Not that we're powerful, Lord, and we're weak, but, Lord, whose impact is powerful because you're at work in us and through us, spiritually powerful, as we build the kingdom of God by simply serving you and others. Bless us in this way, Lord. Lead us to this. Enable us that this becomes our heart's desire, the focus of our lives. Lord, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.